Hey everyone, this is The Secret Podcast and basically I just realised that I know so many talented people, especially some dope MCs who may have gone under the radar that have something to say not just through their music but in other ways too and I want to help shine some light on that and hopefully this podcast can be one of many ways of doing that and I'm so glad to have as a guest well to me he's more than just a guest he's a very good friend of mine goes by the name of Shabazz and also known as Asar Shabazz how you doing Shabazz how you doing mate you're right yeah yeah I'm good man you know what I'm good but I'm having to be a bit patient because uh earlier on about lunchtime uh my wife was cooking like some really nice chicken stew and I could smell it and I was like really looking forward to it and then she told me it's for dinner later on so uh, <laughs> I'm, having to, I'm in that patience mode at the moment that's, so, that's uh, a good problem to have do, though mate that's a yeah, good problem yeah. to have yeah definitely so doing this is getting my mind off that <laughs> so um but yeah anyway uh so shabazz is a very very talented filmmaker editor and also an extremely talented rapper as well and yeah we go we go way back shabazz i don't know if you remember the first time we met do you remember when it was do you know what mate i don't you know oh you don't you're one of those people that just like it feels like you've always been there do you know what i mean one of those friends that <laughs> oh, never have a beginning yeah 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 well i remember it because i have it on video uh, no way. it was at cypher back in i think it was 2001 in birmingham or some yeah like, in birmingham somewhere yeah, outside yeah, yeah. of london wow are yeah, you kidding yeah, me yeah 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 uh and uh yeah it was it was amazing because it was actually the first time i'd met you know, most, Green Jade most and everyone in our circle. No way. Do you uh, know what, mate? I've got footage of that. You know. Yeah, I'm sure you, you have. Some of that. I'm, I'm going to go through the footage and see if I can spot you because everyone was there. Michaela's constant, Green Jade, yeah. Heavenly Soldiers, Warrior. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Uh, I so I didn't really know any of them until I got there. No way. Uh, I'd met Warrior before. I met Warrior at a show in Hammersmith. I think it was called Hammersmith Palais back then, and uh, but. You know Sam Blankson? Yeah, Sam was yeah, there, so, yeah. Yeah, so he brought me down with a couple of other guys as well. And yeah, so it was like heaven to me, you know what I mean? Because I'd, I'd been like in my own, I'm, I've been doing my thing like solo on my own, just like learning about DJing and making beats. But yeah, there was a moment when I managed to get on the decks and start dropping instrumentals. It was like peak time for the cypher. Nice. And so Warrior got on the mic, Judah got on the mic, Wiz got on the mic, uh, Chronicles yes. got on the mic, and there was um, Endurance got on the mic, uh, there's some other heads, oh Third Son obviously got on the mic as well, uh, yeah there's, there was you know all, all, all them guys and, and it was it was so amazing because it was like, the, for me it was like the row, I don't know, the flow of the, the best MC. <laughs> Wow. You know what I mean? Like all, all, all just jumping on. But there was a moment where, because I, I could tell, I could tell that you were heavy, although you hadn't, you hadn't touched the mic yet. I think I don't know if people had said it or not, <laughs> but it was as if like, it was as if, oh yeah, that guy there, like yeah, we're waiting for, we're waiting for him, we're what? waiting for Shabazz to no drop, <laughs> to Mate, drop something. I was a student back then. I was a student to oh, all man. of those guys, so I was far from like. A milestone or anything you know i mean i was in the very early days of my apprenticeship say to yeah, yeah. to jahazel and judah and all those yeah. other stalwarts and stuff so but but, may, but maybe people realized your potential wow you know what i mean so that's humbling and then so that so there was this moment where i dropped i dropped quite a few heavy beats in terms of other you know instrumentals and i dropped anti up and of oh, course okay. that that intro has that huge horns you know <laughs> section horn synth section and everyone's going like wild anyway going crazy and you were you were at the back and i don't know how but like everyone just suddenly turned to you what yeah 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 and then that. like and then they gave you the mic and like you had the mic and everyone's it's like everyone's waiting for that drop and you're kind of like 
what, what do I do? Like suddenly all these eyes are on me because I've I've got this on video, bro. Are you so I, I remember this, mate. Send me that footage as well. I'd love oh, to you see know what? That. If I could find it, it, it's somewhere. It's somewhere. If I could wow. find it, I'll try and send it to you. And then suddenly, like once it kicked in, everyone was going crazy, and I think everyone was excited that you were finally spitting. And uh, and then you dropped some yeah some heavy bars on it as well, which just uh, yeah just hyped everything up. So that's my first that's my first memory of you, Shabazz. So I know it's a bit of a, a bit of a long story there, but um, but yeah, I just wanted to sort of mention that from the get go because you probably don't realise that or don't remember that moment, but I, I do. Can't remember so, it, man. Uh, yeah, but it's, yeah. it's beautiful hearing that, mate. Time's a funny yeah. thing, isn't it? You 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 can easily lose things in mm. the you know what I mean the sense of all you know time that's in, you know in the past. I can't I cannot remember that. I remember oh, being man. there, but what yeah. happened there? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I say, for me, it was like. It was an amazing time so because sam filmed pretty much the whole day okay and I, I i got that video of him like as soon as i could and i would just watch it over and over again because it was a it was a big deal for me and then you went on to be obviously the legend himself oh, that was man. secret weapon oh, dj to all the all the top <laughs> top guys yeah. green jades dj oh thank you shabazz but Is anyway that- it's, it's not about me it's about it's about you today it's about you today but but actually speaking of like um you know recording uh footage and stuff like that i think when people talk about you shabazz like it seems like their first memory of you is to have a camera in your hand <laughs> and you know when, when i think of you one image that comes to mind is just i just imagine you having like a whole stack of hard drives you know yeah. just full of like either hard drives or videos you know just of of footage that you've recorded over the years of like studio sessions live performances interviews and stuff like that and uh a bit like that yeah so definitely. i think i think my first question would be like a quite a simple one but where did your love for like filmmaking and, and documenting sort of come come into play i can see there's a bunch of dvds in in the back there <laughs> so where, where did that love first come about so i i grew up in the care system i'm a, I'm a child of the system um, okay. Entered my first children's home when I was nine and a half months, so not even one. Um, and growing up, I was always into art in the children's home. Just drawing, the staff would kind of always like make note of how I was just quite creative. And I think it probably just took my mind away from whatever was going on around me at that time. And um, interesting enough, so I left the care system when I was seventeen, and. One of the first jobs I had, I was working in Iceland at the time, I was stacking shelves, but one of the first big jobs was the care system asked me to come back and do a job with them, which was a documentary. Um, Basically, they thought that I was quite a good um, success story of someone who had left care well and went on to basically be hopefully a bit positive, like a bit of a role model. And then they asked me to come back and mentor a couple of guys that were doing a documentary um, about leaving care. And they hired someone from the BBC. It was a a guy called William Hicklin um, to basically direct this documentary. And Dan, all I can say is that that job changed my life. Um, I basically was a facilitator in that group. They bought a couple of cameras, which they eventually left at my house like we, this this was a documentary that was being filmed over about eight months um to a year and the cameras were left at my house and um it basically got me into you know what is a camera how does a camera work oh my gosh this is amazing um, i started to shoot anything that moved um began to get very addicted to the whole idea of capturing time capturing what we do in life um and being able to play it back and um long story short um i remember literally sitting at the feet of that um that director william hicklin and knowing what i wanted to do with the rest of my life i remember Mm. thinking as he was teaching us how to use the camera i was like yeah this is this this could be a good job for me for the rest of my life because it tied in my art my creativity um everything that i wanted to do and so that's that's how i got into it and um yeah the rest is history eventually they they let me keep all that camera equipment. Um, I did. Oh, a, wow. I they they paid me. Part of the payment was you can have the equipment um, at the end of the um, project. From that point, I started to shoot weddings, christenings, 
bar mitzvahs, anything I could. Um, you'll know like quite a lot of the, um, even the hip hop guys that eventually went on to get married. Um, I shot their weddings, starting with um, Femi from Royal Priesthood, him and his wife Roshan. Um, and I said to myself, I want to teach myself documentary filmmaking by shooting something I cannot stop, like a wedding. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and so yeah, yeah. it threw me into the deep end of how do I capture this day, which is a special day for at least two people and all the families connected to those two people. And I must do it in such a way where I, I it involves stealth so I don't disturb anything and it involves creativity so I capture special moments. And yeah, it became quite a success. So after about my 50th uh, wedding, I was like, yeah, I think I'm ready to move on to doing real documentaries or other things and yeah, then yeah, the rest yeah. is history i think there's one artist that you've done a lot of work with uh mark evans who's an extremely renowned phenomenal artist absolutely uh, tell us uh, about how you first met him and you guys are really close i hear as well interestingly enough yeah so mark evans uh, a phenomenal artist for me he's like you know you know at the same level as banksy do you know what i mean mm. his his speciality yeah, yeah. is he etches images into leather um so you take a leather cam leather canvas and basically with a blade like a, sca um, a scalpel he's able to actually etch back the leather to the to the point of suede and then suede is the actual imagery um and we basically before he had even that um eureka moment and got the idea for that craft we met in about 2002 2003 doing the and what music video that you were oh, in really? as well. Was yeah. he there? It was the And What Music video, mate. Yeah, oh, no, he wasn't what? there. But basically, okay. we had a mutual friend who was thinking from Michaela's Constant. Salute, yeah. salute thinking. Um, he basically introduced Mark to me as a director of this music video, basically because Mark at that time was running a label, a clothing label called Sons Not Dogs. Yes, you remember? Yes, 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 yes. I remember. I remember. Yes, yes, yes. We I as a crew, that. we kitted. We were kitted out with t-shirts. Yeah, you know, yeah, with yeah. kind of like this beautiful, amazing, like you know, esoteric design and stuff on it. Well, that was Mark's. That was Mark's uh, t-shirt brand. You know what? Now that you say it, I it all comes that back. I, I, and I remember you telling me that after. Um, well, I say afterwards. More in recent years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's that's how me and Mark met and. I, I always say that the first time I met him, I literally said, I think I've met a genius. I genuinely feel like I've met a creative genius. Um, we had an afternoon where he showed me some of these designs, showed me some of these t-shirts. Um, and I mean, he basically, you know, he had a message that he would put on the back of his t-shirts that you could only read in the mirror because it yeah, was basically yeah. the wrong oh, way around. Right. Okay, it that's was, interesting. It, you know, Matrix came out in 1999 but he, he for me he even preceded the matrix in regards to his like like the deep level of thought and kind of insight and mm. creativity and the messages that were in his um yeah, his work yeah. so off the back of that music video which was a success um mm. we, as you know we got Anwar onto channel U at the time and it became mm. you know quite popular and i have to say shabazz sorry to interrupt man like you you know you ran that from like start to finish you know what i mean and uh, so you know not only did you direct it you you know you organized like the whole thing and yeah so much work went into that basically all these technical terms that i'm not able to pronounce you did it <laughs> it was an so, honor bro you know it honor. yeah it was uh something that you should be very very proud of and also yeah what it went on to do as well in that time thank yeah. you man i think what i love about mark's work is if you even when you just look at it you think it's an amazing piece of art you know whether whether it's just someone well i say just but if you think it's someone painting it you think wow that looks amazing but when when you realize how he's done it yeah it's like even more phenomenal <laughs> so, literally um, you get blown yeah, away by it crazy. don't you yeah yeah and yes crazy, we, we so. became best friends after after that video and we just decided we just realized we had similar passions for like creativity and just wanting to be outspoken with our art and doing doing things that were a little bit out of the box Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. We still make really cool up until today. Hello, Mark. Yeah, <laughs> big up, Mark <laughs> Evans. Go check him out. So yeah, as well as working with Mark, I mean, you've also done work for like Channel Four and uh, BBC as well, and uh, and also you've produced, well, uh, directed and written 
short films of your own as well do you do you find that you're most creative when you're doing something like working on your own project is there room to be creative even in the organizations that you're working in I th- yeah I think I think a bit of both sometimes I've done some of my own individual stuff and without the oversight of other creative brains giving me feedback and you know making you know you know there's a phrase that says iron sharpen if iron um mm. If you're not basically working with other people in a team, sometimes you can get quite blunt. And so I've I've worked on indiv- in independent projects and looked back and thought, nah, that's <laughs> that's really bad. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, but there have been other times where I've had the freedom to exercise my right to experiment, and it's turned out quite good. Um, and that would be a freedom that I wouldn't necessarily always have when I'm in a um, in a full time job with an um, with another team. Um, but then there are times where I've worked with teams and I've worked with some great minds that have pushed me and pushed me and pushed me to the point whereby I've been able to produce something better than I would have on my own. So it ranges really back and forth. There's a, a project that we were both involved in sort of more recently uh, that I think is very, oh, yeah. I don't know, like it's very um, it's very heartfelt. It was a theatre uh, production uh, custody oh yeah dude I yeah 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 and uh so you were like filming the documentary on that behind uh, the scenes and stuff yeah 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 nice so i i, I met bemmy amazing on that dude music <laughs> oh thanks man yeah I, I met bemmy through you and ended up doing the soundtrack for nice. that and yeah it was really it was really good because of the particularly the content of the theatrical play yeah you know so it's always good when you do something that's similar to what you're really good at and get paid for it. Uh, you know, in for the the bigger corporations, organisations, it could be more handsome. But uh, it's there's something really nice when you can work on something that has meaning yes, to it as well, definitely, and has a has a message behind it. And yeah, I just sort of want to. I mean, not just talking about that particular uh, play. But in general, like, how important is it for you that what you do creatively has, you know, meaning and substance to it? It's a priority. It's it's a it's a real priority. And I think the older the older I become, um, I mean, I turned forty five at the beginning of this week, first uh, of July. And the older I become, mate, the more I'm into. I want to say something with my life that's not just you know oh he did that advert for that conglomerate or that company Mm, you know mm, that's mm. like a drop in the ocean that goes nowhere but you I want to basically drop something in the ocean that causes ripples and leaves a legacy that impacts other people and inspires other people so I, I am a lot more selective now as to what I work on not really interested in the um, not not interested in the legacy that's just oh that was a fantastic product or a fantastic film because of the special effects or because of the the actual you know awards that it won I'm more interested in the message um, I think the older I become I want to have a communication I want to communicate with the world I, I want to have a, a conversation with the world I don't want to just say what I want to the world and uh, ignore what they have to say back I want to have a conversation and so it's important that my art does that you know but I think as well like it's sort of looking at it and going even if you're not doing the meaningful stuff every day that 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 season of when you did it was meaningful absolutely you know what I mean and 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 the beautiful the beautiful thing about art is that there's no time limit on it, especially, well, particularly good art, <laughs> meaningful art. Good art is like, it's like good wine, isn't it? It basically yeah. matures and gets better, tastes better over over age at times. Yeah, Do you yeah. know what I mean? And That's so I, true, I, I, I think about that every time I create something that, okay, in a hundred years when this is digged up from the, well, it won't even be digged up anymore from the, uh, it won't be excavated like the pharaohs are excavated. It'll be downloaded from a cloud somewhere. Do you know what I mean? But when this lands in the lap of my great great grandchildren, um, or in or in the lap of your great great grandchildren, or a complete stranger, what will it say? What will it resonate? Will it 
will it offer something that can benefit the society of the future or will it be something that's just a little bit like Meh. when i hear you rap shabazz particularly when i first heard you rap the first i guess it sort of takes me into like a a comic book world nice but with yeah like but, but like comic book meets sort of the matrix sort of vibe I know you're into your comic books Hardcore. as well. And um, so I wonder how much your filming, your love for film inspires your writing as a rapper as well. And then uh, how that is used to communicate the things that are on your heart. I've always loved, there's, there's, the, there's the word known as the Ubermitch, which means the Superman. I've always loved the idea of there being a superhuman being or someone bigger and greater than you and me who's able to do, you know, amazing feats in order to help, in order to help basically save people, change systems in society and basically do something, uh, you know, progressive and productive with their lives. And um, I think as a child, that's what got me into comics in the first place was, you know, there's a part of a child that wants to be greater than the child and so I've always fallen in love with that Ubermensch that Superman and um, I think that's probably why I became a Christian I wanted to you know I appealed to God's greater nature um, and greatness you know what I mean he was like the Ubermensch and the the Superman of uh, you know of, 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 of my life and so I think whether it's drawing filming or, you know what I mean or writing music yeah, that pro that idea and that philosophy seeps into my creativity. That desire to present some level of a, you know, a solution for society's ills, um, and it won't always be in the form of say one man, because, you know, you know we don't always have a, you know, a daredevil or a Spider Man in each neighborhood in the world. You know what I mean? We have us. We have, we have us as individuals, but there can be something that we can call. On within us I believe that leans on the better nature of our of our intelligence to basically do something to better society you know so that's that's probably my big kind of philosophical like motivations the things I put behind all the things that I do do you know yeah. what I mean and like I said yeah, yeah. God plays a part in that because I tap into I think his superpower um, in terms of his philosophy um and his writings to actually inspire some of the uh you know positive things that i want to do yeah 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 that's that cool, doesn't man. sound too out there no no well it's it's you so <laughs> that's you man but yeah i think w what i admire about your style is that you have you have stuff that is very hard hitting and sort of i don't know like your flow very much suits your or meets your stature uh in case you don't know shabazz is quite a tall person well, overweight and, and <laughs> <laughs> obese no 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 man no, you're looking well man you're looking well 25 right you're 25 yeah may add another 20 on that literally <laughs> yeah so uh yeah just like almost like this authoritative figure and stuff and yeah just like spitting like deep deep lyrics and stuff uh but also you have tracks that are pretty emotive as well uh you know so you've got that sort of storytelling element oh, cheers, to you as well as well as you know just jumping jumping in a cypher and, and and spitting a 16 bar so yeah i think that's something that is pretty cool about what you bring as well and also yes yeah, so at the moment you have a you have a new track that you just put out with a guy called Jay Price, who's like a singer-songwriter, yeah. plays acoustic guitar, a song called One Blood. I think, actually, I remember you telling me about him quite a few years ago. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, ha ha but how did that come about? Not just the collaboration, but yeah, I guess the content as well. So Jamie, um, Jamie Price, phenomenal, absolute phenomenal musician and artist jamie's been doing music for years um he's on that like you know 
Bono, for me anyway, he's on that Bono level, that Chris Martin level, in terms of his just musical expression and his ability and his passion. And um, it was probably about 15 years ago, um, we both spoke and I said, you know, I'd love, um, I'd love you to do a song with me. I've, I had a song back in the day, which was basically the same melody of as um, One Blood, um, but it was in a different form about 15 years ago. Um, it was called Signs of the Crime. And I basically wanted to do a song back then about all the street signs that basically, you know, you, I don't know if you saw those plaque, yellow plaques back in the day. They don't really put them up anymore. When someone stabbed or killed, they'll put up a yellow plaque saying there was a murder that occurred here. Could you get in touch with the police? And I remember one day I went out and I saw about 15, like walking in the streets of London. And so I, I wrote a song um, called... Um, signs of the crime approached Jamie about doing the chorus he came up with the melody um, and we were just working on it together but to to my shame we didn't finish it um, I didn't finish writing the lyrics and it just kind of sat on the shelf and basically um, just disappeared into one of the woulda coulda shoulda beans that we didn't get done and um, that was up until about three weeks ago four weeks now um, so Jamie calls me or Jamie yeah Jamie calls me and we have a conversation um, connected to this you know the George Floyd um, killing and this recent state um, you know spat of protests and stuff um, and off the back of that conversation we kind of said wouldn't it be good to finish that song finish Signs of the Crime um, Jamie on a separate note he'd basically started a putting a basically started putting a song every week out on his Facebook account um, to raise money for the NHS in connection to coronavirus and so he basically said would you like to put um, signs of the crime out at the end of June because I've got a slot free for one final song and I was like oh my gosh could I finish writing the lyrics by the end of June so I said you know what let's do it no time better than the present as I was writing the song, Dan, I was like, I don't, not to say that street crime isn't an issue anymore, but obviously my heart was resonating more with what is currently going on with, with racial relations. Let's call it that racial relations with, you know what I mean? Are still having the same issues that we've had like for, you know, before you and me were born and this vicious circle of racial discrimination, you know, of us not getting along and I just couldn't write street crime when this was on my heart so I basically changed the song renamed it One Blood and focused the lyrics more so around a new narrative and it's not even a new narrative you know Dan it's basically the original narrative which I've always wanted to get out which is rather than us you know focusing on our differences and creating these terms for them like white man black man white people black people um that race this race why don't we focus on our what makes us similar why don't we focus more on our similarities and race for me is a huge thing because i've always lived with the philosophy that we are one race i don't think there is a thing called the black race or the white race those are sociological terms that we've created to identify ourselves quickly um, we've become a lazy culture that we want a shorthand by way to describe one another that isn't factually based on truth because you're not really white I'm not really black this table is black do you know what I mean um, and it's a different shade than my skin my skin is actually brown but I basically have forced my brain to sociologically apply the colour black to my skin because society tells me to and so I wanted to write a song, basically, long story short, that broke some of that down and wanted to identify the fact that we are one blood. We are yeah. one race. Yeah, there's a line that you have that, uh, well, there's actually a couple of lines, but um, one where you really stress about um, pigment that I think is, uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, 
pretty something because it's, it's a very simple truth. All of different colors, the theory of a favored race is a disease, the poisons humanity feeding on the greed, a fictive pseudo-scientific descriptive concept that cons us of our oneness. One race is the race we all ran and won together. It's the grace of living under the sun together. So let's erase this destructive social construct which causes so much of our conflict. We're more than a pigment, more than a pigment, more than a black and white shorthand description. Our human right is to be first seen as human, right? Let's see, see past the pigment. Bro, you, you, took, you took the words out of my mouth. That, that was going to be the next line I was going to highlight. Our human right is to be first seen as human, right? Let's see past the pigment. Is this the life we want the life we long for? The life... Uh, yeah, I just thought that was really clever, the way you, you put that. And, and I yeah, really mean so it. If, if, if I only see you, rather than seeing your humanity, if I just see a colour, then what I do is I associate the colour with any of the 20 different types of white people that might be out there. Likewise, if you just see me as a colour, you've probably got 20 different types of black people that are out there. You know what I mean? You've got the rapper that's got the chains and is saying, yeah, I'm going to kill you and shoot you. Do you know what I mean? You've got the black person that might be Barack Obama and is very articulate and able to, you know, string a sentence along. And if it's just a black person, then we we batch one another together in this very kind of crude way. Go, going back a page, I guess. So as, um, because I think a, a big part of that is the media, isn't it? Like dr driving and forcing all this stuff down our throat. But... They do it in such a way that is so subtle, I guess, you know, uh, we don't even realise it uh, and it, it changes our view and yeah, it just gets us into a systematic way of, of thinking. So as, a, as a, a filmmaker or someone that's in that realm, uh, have you found a lot of obstacles in projects that will address these issues but you've had lots of stop signs? Um, do you know what? Yes, I, I, I tend to not um, dwell on them too much because, you know, it's become a part of life to focus on the problem. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, there, there, have, there have been many different occasions in my own like career where I've encountered the, the ugly brick wall of, you know, um, discrimination based on my skin colour. Um, mm. But I kind of feel like... The media does unfortunately push a narrative, whether it knows it or not, that we need to break. Um, I tell people, for example, I hate the term black on black violence. Um, it's a very unfair, um, you know, there's, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's something known as labeling, um, where you can basically, there's, there's, there's something known as the labeling theory even, where you can label a group of people and the way that you label them the characteristics of those people prior to you labeling them would not be the same as after you've labeled them so what do i mean by that if you for example label a group of kids as thugs as blacks as you know the black criminals or black on black violence as you know you can start to f you can start to see and they've done tests on this that that group of young teens begins to associate themselves with those terminologies yeah yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. so that's part of the reason why the linguistics and the nomenclature that we use to describe one another is very important and i think that we should completely the media should be responsible for completely erasing and stopping the false nomenclature of black on black violence for example in the same way that they wouldn't use white on white violence or yeah, yeah. irish on irish violence scottish on scottish violence welsh on welsh violence like it's a bit it's a bit pathetic the more you actually hear it like chinese on chinese violence if you heard that you'd say like why didn't they just call them two men fighting like or even violence within the african or african diaspora community give me give me a sense of dignity rather than just label me black on black violence because this is the thing is like a lot of people think that i mean you, you've already pointed it out anyway but when you when you talk about black person lack of a better phrase uh is like putting everything under under one umbrella under when one umbrella. it's like like what frustrates me is when people and you hear it in songs quite often from London to New York to Tokyo to Africa 
and it's like wait you've just named cities and then you've mentioned a whole continent you know (laughs) and it's like it's like you've mentioned a whole continent as if it's a country there's an accepted level of ignorance when it comes to africa or yeah you know so-called black people that yeah it should be allowed so because i mean in you know england is very different to greece (laughs) for example you know what i mean uh so kenya is going to be different to you know nigeria or or uganda you know obviously there's going to be some similarities because it's in the same continent just as there's similarities in europe but there's going to be massive cultural differences as well in the same way that europe has so many different types of cultures ethnicities you know countries and then as well what what frustrates me is this narrative that africa is poor you know and yes there are poor areas in africa uh, just as there are poor areas in europe but i think what that does is that ends up being the only way you view people of african descent yeah you know uh because all they see of africa is you know the the, the charity adverts and yeah. i'd like to think i'd like to think the charities are are trying to do something good yeah uh, but if that's all the image that we're seeing then that's where i have a problem there's not a there's not a balanced view absolutely yeah. it's, it's it's very unfair and i mean i I've been driving the narrative that we need more empathy and compassion to really get through and pass this racial bias and systemic racism that the world is infected with by the, by the, at the moment. And what I mean by that is, if you take, for example, the paradigm, for example, of how Africa is viewed or how you know so-called black people are viewed, and then flip that to give a comparison a comparison it would be the equivalent for example of say the whole of europe being identified by one of the poorest villages in you know say the uk if there is a a village of say a group of travelers i think that's the correct terminology um who basically might be quite poor um if that is the image that you're perpetuating the you know, you know, perpetuating and only seeing, say, in Africa. If Africans are only seeing Europe as being represented through the one lens of that group of people, then you could begin to create these, um, you know, just, just, just drive home these false narratives that aren't helpful. And so, I do think that is one thing that we can do: is, em- you know, through empathy, begin to actually flip the script a little bit to actually try and see: is this a fair way to view? for example so-called young black teens by saying black on black violence because we don't do that for white on white violence Mm, mm, we mm. we say serious youth crime in inner cities where there is youth that are stabbing and shooting each other say like in manchester or in liverpool or leeds do you know what i mean if we call it serious youth crime there's an empathy there because oh my god they're kids they're doing something that's egregious and wrong but they're kids. But if I just overhear in the black community say black on black violence, then immediately it drives a narrative that is not helping anyone other than the media to actually drive that, you know, false narrative, which which yeah. isn't good. I think you hit something as well about when, let's say the media, for example, when they're portraying this image on a group of people or even it or even an individual. Uh, that represents that group of people uh, not only does it change the mindset of the the, the people outside of uh, that group of people but also it changes the mindset of as you were saying the people within that group of people yeah you know I, I mean it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that if like as a as a kid you know you're being bullied in school or being told you're an idiot and being called all these names and you're not hearing that actually you know you're awesome and you know you're amazing and you might not be good at sport but you're amazing at this you know then what's going to happen that person is going to believe that about themselves absolutely and i and i think that's 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 the killer right there you know because people people start to act out what they believe yeah about themselves it's a vicious circle isn't it because Mm. I can I have the choice to play up to the stereotype 
if I'm being labelled as that stereotype. And mm. the more I play up to that stereotype, then people perceive me as that stereotype. And I raise kids that live up to that stereotype. And then the vicious circle begins again and again. Police will apprehend me or approach me or communicate with me um, based on that stereotype. And that's why I think you get to a fork in the road, at, you know, as you as you grow up. I had that fork in the road where I said to myself, I could grow up and become, you know, they say that 80% of kids that grow up in care go on to become, you know, criminals in prison, drugs. Do you know what I mean? There's a negative you know statistical kind of like bias towards you know people who grow up in kids so I had the choice do I go on to basically go down that fork in the road and live up to the stereotype of what people are expecting of me or do I try and become more of a positive role model and change the stereotype step out of the system to try and change the system and then step back in you know however you want to call it how were you able to do that um so I, I wouldn't even say it was me on my own. Um, I, I was fostered very um, fortunately by a, uh, a, a, a like a sorry not eighty about sixty five year old pensioner from Trinidad, Trinidad um, who was a pastor. Her name was Lillian Francis, and it's to her that I basically owe my life to. She fostered me in um, my second children's home, and introduced me to a completely different lifestyle than the one that I was growing up expecting to live um, she was a Christian and she started to teach me principles and values that made me look at my culture and look at my identity in a much more positive light um, God rest her soul she's 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 passed away now but I genuinely look back and say she was she was my uber Mitch she was my super woman she was someone who gave me a solid role model um, and a better start in life and um, so yeah she introduced me to my faith and introduced me to God I guess and um, I'm not your whimsical kind of Christian that just um, lovey-dovey like you know what I mean I I scrutinize everything and I I was introduced to this principle and way of life that is Christianity and though I know Christianity has not always been seen as the most positive thing I really began to find the positives in it and it encouraging positivity and do you know what I mean you know dignity honor um, humility love respect kindness those beautiful principles that truly society needs right now um, and needed for me when I was like you know what 30 years ago society still needs those things now and so yeah that's how i i began that that's how i took the fork in the road that went towards a much more positive life than um the other one that basically would have taken me down a dark path that led to crime drugs and misdemeanors yeah definitely so in terms of um hip-hop how i mean this is probably an obvious question but how big a part do you think hip-hop can play you know in in bringing about positive change and, and speaking on these these subjects you know what Dan in in truth hip hop feels like it's I wouldn't say hip hop's dead but you say hip hop and most people don't really know what you, you mean out so, there so okay it's so kind me, of rap now isn't it let, yeah let me rephrase the question then what does forget of what the mainstream what it looks like now like what does hip hop mean to you like like when you first heard it and the hip-hop that you okay. love what, yeah. do, what does that mean to you good question um in like i look at the bigger picture i'll start from the bigger then work down towards hip-hop um the spoken word we we are you know humans we our humanity can be summed up in the way that we communicate we we talk from from the time cavemen started to draw images on the wall that communicated something to another caveman or do you know what i mean from the time that the very first um you know alphabet was created we love to communicate through the spoken word and now whether it's through lectures or political um, speeches or youtube videos or tutorials we love the spoken word music is that it's another form of the spoken word but it's done in you know all the different genres of music communicate the spoken word in such beautiful and powerful ways and for me hip-hop as one of those genres of music 
is just a very powerful explosive um, way by which the spoken word is is shared and I think that's what I fell in love with was the the authority that comes with hip-hop the the audacity to to say some of the things that can be said through hip-hop I'm not talking about the crude stuff and the vice but the audacity of poetry that you can communicate and share an articulate message but with um, syncopation with you know with with amazing rhyme melody harmony with you know what i mean poetry that transcends anything that shakespeare did not really but do you know what i mean i just i just love the i love the authority that comes with true hip-hop um which is probably why i hate some of the um ways by which rap music and some aspects of rap music has diluted it to the point where now it's more it's watered down so much that I don't understand a single thing that's being communicated and I don't get any message and if there was a message it's very crude and lewd um, and I get passionate about that because I'm like there's such an there's such an opportunity through hip-hop to do something yeah. that impacts people because yeah. the audience of hip-hop for me is important um, because a lot of the times over the course of the the history of hip-hop we've had uh, an audience that love hip hop that aren't into many of the other ways by which positive information can be um, communicated to that audience whether it is politics or religion or faith or do you know what I mean um, anything of positivity sometimes there is this narrow kind of like narrow way by which the audience of hip hop can sometimes hear and if you don't use that narrow way to communicate something positive they're only getting and being fed negative things and so it's probably why I love positive hip hop people that are inspiring me motivating me to change the world rather than motivating me just to make more money to steal from this man kill that man sleep with that girl have a baby with that girl like it, I get yeah. passionate about that which is probably why you mentioned earlier why I I rap in the way I do. I think I can't help but rap with a certain level of gravitas because I get my. It's like it's like a vehicle through which my passion leaves my body. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Through my yeah. uh, through my uh, my words, my spoken words and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome, man. So which which MCs, which rappers did you grow up listening to that really captured those? things that you were just saying there interestingly enough um it's it, 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 in an ironic way um some of some of my favorite rappers weren't the most positive and so i at times had rappers that i went to for the message and the positivity like common like talib kwali you know sometimes nas um and then i'd have the rappers that i go to the majority of the time would just give me the authority and the gusto and the grit and the the anger and so I loved most of the Wu-Tang Clan that was my type of hip-hop do you know what I mean yeah. so yeah. like just well, the the diversity of the different flows from yeah. you know Raekwon to Ghostface Killer to you know what I mean Method Man do you know what I mean Killer Priest as well from from the Wu-Tang Clan kind of set like he would have different weight, you know, sometimes he'd just be aggression, but sometimes then he'd have something to say and like his storytelling and the ability to actually share a message, like it would, it would have me in tears at times, man. Do you know what I mean? So I love, I love that, that different paradigm within hip hop where you can actually get different levels of, you know what I mean? Um, different types of messages coming forward through artistic yeah, yeah, yeah. and, you know what I mean? Actual spoken word and uh, meaning. Yeah, I think as well, like what I love about hip hop is the potential of bringing people together. Yeah. And the the unity that it can bring. And yeah, in a world where it's very destructive. And yeah, we could talk about like competition and stuff like that. But I think sometimes that gets, we get carried away with that, don't we? Like. Mm because um, I, I prefer to be inspired rather than wanting to compete with someone yeah. and um, yeah. for me it's like when you have a group of people that come together and playing beats and you know creating a cypher together like 
and there's nothing but love and support for one another beautiful like not much beats that yeah do you know what i mean and and i think that's what we miss today uh in in any sort of genre of music and it is there but it's not celebrated it's not it's not made known as much as it was in the say golden era in the golden era yeah yeah, yeah i'd yeah. love to see and that return there being like the the energy that's needed now to create change it's so precious um the time as well it's so precious we almost don't have time to waste battling each other this gang battling that gang this postcode you know writing bars to destroy that postcode like it's all a distraction that takes us away from the energy we need to spend on actually working together to bring about some level of change do you know what mm. i mean um, but do you know what shabazz i think a big part of that is because we touched on it before so it's sort of bringing it together it is a, is a case of identity isn't it you know yeah in terms of knowing who you are as an artist and you're always growing you're always evolving i mean you talked right at the beginning about how you were you felt like you were an apprentice you know amongst all these other guys <laughs> uh, so that that element won't change but i think when you're when you're comfortable with who you are and knowing that actually what i bring is is really valued and is is different yeah i may be inspired by so and so and stylistically but it's how you make it your own you know uh and and i think that way stops the whole jealousy and and the negative side of competition you know is when you realize actually no this is who i am you know yeah. and n no there's not going to be a better me than me and that's one one thing that i think has occurred in hip-hop over time there's just been too much infighting rather than that there being a united force standing together to fight against whether it is systematic oppression or whether it is bias or whether it is you know what I mean racism whatever it's whatever it is mm -hmm. yeah definitely I say racism now by the way in inverted commas if anyone's watching this because I don't believe racism should be considered to be racism because like I said there is actually only one race so the word racism implies that I'm a different race if someone is prejudiced towards me based on my skin color if someone's prejudiced towards me based on my skin color uh, my skin color they're skinnest rather than racist they 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 they're being quite pathetic and ridiculous towards me based on skin pigment not race pigment do you know what I mean or or, or not race I'm not a different race I'm a member of the human race the same as they are so that's why if anyone's wondering why I'm doing the inverted commas is because our society has basically lived with these terms that have really, you know, we could do with actually abolishing them. So in terms of your passion for social commentary, it sounds to me that you're, you're pretty confident, you know, speaking out about these things. Has being an MC sort of given you that confidence? I think so. I, th I think it's one of the many things that have contributed to me wanting to finally, hopefully find my voice and be able to now share some of the solutions that I hopefully have um, with people. Um, definitely, you know, rapping on the stage in front of people um, um, helps in terms of stage performance and in, in terms of making sure you remember your lyrics, um, which is one thing I used to always forget, literally. But I think it definitely has helped, but I think more than just that, it's been a lot of reading. Um, you know, the more knowledge you get, the more you want to share that knowledge, and you know, you know, you want to share the applied knowledge, especially that you've been able to do. Having great friends and having great discussion discussions. I'm a part of a group of brothers um, who have helped me over time just be able to thrash some of the things that I I want to speak about. You know, they've been able to thrash, you know, and help me just. Um, thrash it out and basically work with me in it uh, big up to the the band of brothers love you guys and um yeah i think overall just do you know what do you know what has been the biggest thing that's um helped me actually want to start speaking out um dan years of silence Ye years of not speaking out and waiting for someone to say the things that you want to be said um, you know, years of waiting for someone to, you know, especially the church, you know, the people who I do believe should have the authority and the actual, um, 
the mandate to you know help society and some of the ills that society has um waiting i've been waiting in vain and um <laughs> the silence has been deafening do you know what i mean and so i've kind of said you know what i might not be the most articulate or i might not be the most um qualified to do and say some of the things that i want to do and say but i gotta finally get off my backside and do something and if i can do it in the form of rapping in fact you know you know i haven't been rapping like you know from 15 years ago we spoke about like me rapping 15 years ago to now i haven't been consistently rapping i've i've become a father i've become a husband i've i've put the mic down as someone would say um and i've only recently picked it up for this song that i did recently with jamie price but i feel like it's a great time to pick it up because rap can be used as a means of social commentary and so that's why i now would want to i'd want to use it for that purpose yeah that's interesting because i guess well my next question was going to be so you talked about how much like emceeing and performing in front of people has helped you you know speak out and 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 get into social social commentary and you were talking about like reading up as well would you would you say uh it's also the other way as well how that's helped and evolved evolved your lyrics and your writing absolutely you know what it's done it's helped me know um how to have a better approach at how to communicate and um, i think in my hothead youth um i would at times have a conversation with myself that you would be privy to in the form of a track so i would be rapping and speaking at you rather than wanting to speak with you um, not even speak to you I want to speak with you I want there to be a conversation and back and forth um, that's what I think has matured in regards to my age and in regards to reading and just being becoming a bit more of a student of history learning from the past what has gone wrong in the past so that I can hopefully affect the present and change the future I think for me the most effective artists are ones that are inclusive you know and actually bring you into their experiences well they find a way anyway you know to even though if your upbringing is completely different uh you're just able to enter into that world and not feel not feel alienated by it yeah. you know um and and feel part of it and and as you say it's it ends up being a conversation a, a friendly conversation and i think people who can do that through the arts in particular whether yeah. it's rapping or painting or you name it you know i think that those are the ones you know that are effective yeah yeah That's, those so, are the ones uh, that have moved me the most if i feel even if i feel someone has got something to say and they are right based on how they communicate what they are saying to me will either cause me to want to listen or to want to switch over and turn yeah, off or yeah, walk away yeah yeah you know I mean? exactly exactly yeah because it's about including people isn't it well shabazz asar shabazz thank you so much the beautiful thing about this is that i not only get people that are creative and who i highly respect skill wise but also people that are friends of mine and have played a big part in my life as well and so as i say i'm just quite passionate about not just sharing their skills, but also sharing, or at least giving them a, a space to share who they are as well and what's on their heart. So again, thank you so much, Shabazz. And Shabazz was one of the first people I thought of when this uh, idea came about. So um, yeah, thanks again, Shabazz, for your time and thanks for sharing everything you've shared. And I hope it's been really encouraging for everyone listening and watching. Can I say a final word? Yeah, 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 go for it, mate. Um, yeah genuinely um, I'm not just saying this for saying it's sake but I, I do want to like really just show some love and respect to you Secret I really appreciate you uh, as a man just a, a man of integrity a man of dignity and honour um, loved being do you know what I mean your friend back in the day your friend now your brother more than just your friend I think you really you wear your heart on your sleeve and your your creativity your brilliance as a creative is just an extension of your personality and your character you don't show off your power you know what i mean you're not gusto you're just you know you're subtle and you know what i mean you're 
you know potent and so I love just that about you do you know what I mean you as a producer you would just you know say oh you know I've got a little beat do you know what I mean let me let me play this to you and it would be phenomenal do you know what I mean and other people will be jumping through the roof like I've got this beat but you just very down to earth with it and do you know what I mean I just really yeah I commend that about you brother and do you know what I mean oh, thanks man really Thank love you. who you are and yeah I'm glad that we're brothers do you know what I mean yeah no doubt so not only do I get people who are creative on this show and also friends of mine but I also get people who say things like that about me <laughs> as well <laughs> pay me later mate pay yeah, me yeah, later yeah. no that I'm means joking. a lot that means a lot mate really appreciate that yeah no, I mean it totally mate. so thanks again so you've been listening to the secret podcast conversation with Asar Shabazz peace out secret, secret. secret.